morning and welcome to 1C. Would you please rise for our first song?
the sea. These brothers and sisters got it going on, don't they? Man, what a great tune. Yeah, give it up one more time. It's cool. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I like that. What a beautiful song. What a beautiful song and beautifully delivered. Well, welcome, church. It's Sunday once again. We are gathered to listen to God's word, to sing God's praise, to bump into one another. Maybe share a little bit about what's been happening in your life and how Jesus has showed up big. But that's not what I'm here for. i got to do announcements. So here they are. In the seat back uh, of your chair, you'll see a card. It's laminated. It's a, it's a rectangle, if I remember my geometry right. Yes? Okay. Thank you, Tim. It's good to have a nice assistant. This is important. This tells you a lot of things about what goes on every Sunday here, welcoming you as a guest, how you can get prayer requests to us so we can include those in prayers of the people. This says a little bit about how to handle tithes and offerings. And then really important on one side is this thing called in preparation for communion. It tells you what we uh, believe and teach and practice here at 1C. So take your time to read that. And if that is something that you're in line with, if that's your belief, then, you know, we welcome you to the Lord's table this morning. Next Sunday, very important guest coming, Okongo Sampson. Okongo is a brother I met in Tucson probably 15 years ago. He is uh, the president and founder of Unite for Africa. They are doing works in several of the nations in Africa. And I love what he's doing because their work is ground up. They help communities come this way and, and, and give them skills to take care of themselves. We, 1C Church, is supporting Unite for Africa. They were one of the recipients of our matching grant that we had for Beyond Our Walls. Okongo and his lovely wife Shyla will be here next Sunday on a stage to kind of share a little bit about their work, how that money was received and put to use. Really would like it if you could be here. In between services, Okongo will be in the uh, community gathering space, you know, where the new kitchen is at, the round tables. If you're inclined, you know, stop in and say hello and learn more about this man and, and what God is doing. And then after the 11 o'clock, we'll meet back in there again. You, there'll be something. I don't know, coffee, cookies, pizza. We'll figure something out. But just come and, and get a chance to hear a little bit more of his story. And now it's your turn. Good morning, everyone. Um, if you picked up one of these bulletins, I invite you to uh, open that up now and take a look at some of our slides. Uh, in there, on the far right side, you'll see this slide up on the screen. Um, for our uh, fellowship fundraiser feast for the Haiti Project. So uh, the country of Haiti has been a mission that um, has been heavy on our hearts for a good while here at 1C. Um, in Haiti, there's 11 million people who call that place home, and 4.5, just under half, um, have what they call food insecurity, meaning they legitimately don't know where their next meal is coming from. And most of those people are kids. Uh, a lot of them lost their parents in the earthquakes, the natural disasters, and the political unrest. Um, so of those 4.5 million, many are children who just don't know where they are going to get food. Um, and we want to do something about that. So we've set a goal of packing 40,000 meals um, that we want to purchase the goods for, pack as a church, and send over there on March 26th. And to do that, we have to raise $12,000. So we have a, um, a $6,000 matching funds um, drive from the Beyond Our Walls campaign. So if we raise $6,000, we get $6,000, uh, which will help pay for that. Um, and so what that looks like is we are hosting that fellowship feast here at the end of January. 
um, January 29th at 6.30 p.m. and then uh, January 30th right after church at 12.30 p.m. And for $29, you will get the best Nebraska prime rib you've ever had. So I've been told. I haven't tasted it yet, but I've heard good things. Uh, prime rib, baked potato, green beans, dinner roll, salad, and, um, and the like. So uh, you can buy a $29 ticket to support the children in Haiti on our church website and come join us for one of those two fundraiser feasts. Uh, if you have any other questions, I'll be in the family gathering space after church to talk about it. Thanks. Oh,
girls, come on up front for the kids' message. Make your, make your way on. Find a seat on the floor. Even if you. All right. There are a bunch of you this morning. Keep on coming up. There's plenty of room up here. And I wanted to share a story with you of when I was about your age. My family went camping in Pennsylvania to Allegheny National Forest. It was beautiful. We went camping, went hiking and biking and canoeing. And then one evening on our way back to our camper, we stopped at Joe's Trading Post. It was a cool store. They had camping equipment, outdoor supplies, groceries, hardware, and they even had ice cream. Yeah, ooh. so we stopped to get ice cream on the way back to the camper. And when we pulled in, there were a bunch of people at the back end of the parking lot all gathered around the dumpsters. We thought, what's going on? So we walked back there to see what was going on, and we took a picture of what we saw. And this is what we saw. Can you see what that is? That's a black bear eating ice cream. Look at that. He would come and lick out the empty ice cream containers out of the, the dumpsters. And then we heard the story about this bear. Turns out he had been coming every night for years to eat ice cream. And the owners got more friendly with him and started putting whole buckets of ice cream out for him. And then they started taking the buckets and the, the owner's daughter would take a paint stick and scoop out of the bucket of ice cream and feed it like it was spoon feeding a baby to this bear who would come down out of the mountains to eat ice cream. And then it turns out this bear, um, a few weeks before we got there, got injured. And so they had to take the bear into the animal hospital and help him recover and heal and treat him. And then we went, when he was healthy enough, they took this bear hundreds of miles away from Pennsylvania to upstate New York and released him in the mountains. And then just a few short weeks later, on the same night that we stopped to get ice cream, this bear showed up to get ice cream. And the, the owners were convinced it was the exact same bear. So we asked him, how do you know it's the same bear? And they said, well, it's got the same markings on him, the same scars, and... He only wants to eat his favorite maple nut ice cream. So they were sure it was the same bear. Isn't that amazing that a bear could be dropped off hundreds of miles away in a place that had never been to travel a path that had never been on to make its way back home just a few weeks later? That's amazing, isn't it? I know, it's insane. How did he know where he was, where to go, what path to take? And, you know, animals have almost like a homing device built into them where they know how to go and what direction to go to get home, even if they don't know where they are. And did you know that God created us to be at home with him as our Heavenly Father, to live with him, to dwell with him? And so we all, all people, have this desire to be at home with our Creator, at home with our Heavenly Father, even if people don't know who he is. And you know what? That bear was really good at getting home, but we're not. We can't get home to be with God. And that's why Jesus came, because he had to make a path, a way for us to
to get home to be with our Heavenly Father. So Jesus came to rescue us and to be the way and to show us the way to get to be home with, with our Heavenly Father. And you know, he also gave us each other, didn't he? And we are, what? You have a van to get home? That's great. Well, good. Vans are a great way to get home. And you know what? If you don't know the way to drive your van home, God gives us people, friends, brothers and sisters in the faith to be an encouragement to one another, right? And we can help point each other and be like a backseat driver, right, to help everybody get home, <laughs> right? So we can help each other. Even in the unknown, we can help each other find our way home to be with God, right? And we have something far greater to go home to than maple nut ice cream. We've got a loving Heavenly Father who wants us to live with Him, to be with Him, and to welcome us home with His open, loving arms. And who knows, there might even be maple nut ice cream to celebrate when we get there. We'll see. All right, let's pray. We'll fold our hands, and you can repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us people to travel through life with. Help us to point each other closer to you. Amen. All right, boys and girls, thanks for coming up, and you can head on back to your seats. If I'd only known the last time would be the last time I would have put off all the things I had to do Would have stayed a little longer Held on a little tighter Than what I'd give for one more day with you Cause there's a wound here in my heart something's missing and they tell me that it's gonna heal with time but I know you're in a place where all your wounds have been erased and knowing yours are healed is healing mine the only scars in heaven won't belong to me There'll be no such thing as broken And all the old will be made new And the thought that makes me smile now Even as the tears fall down Is that the only scars in heaven Are on the hands that hold you now Know the road you walked was anything but easy. Picked up your share of scars along the way. Now you're standing in the sun. You fought your fight and your race is run. The pain is all a million miles away. The only scars in Belong to me and you. 
Till I'm standing with you in the sun I'll fight this fight in this race I'll run Till all I feel see what you can see difficult to find words after that. Oh, man. Um, I think about the way that, that Jesus carries our scars here on this side of heaven. Today and tomorrow and Thursday morning at 1 o'clock and next Saturday at noon. I mean, Jesus carries our scars. When we get to heaven, all gone. Healed. It'll be glorious. This is a time in the service that's a real anchor point, I think. It is a time where, where we are invited to confess our sins. This goes on corporately because we're all here. It also goes on here individually. But it is a blessing that God gives us to bring to him a confession before we come to the table and share in his body and his blood. So up on the screen is the confession that we will say together out loud this morning. Most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence and eternal punishment. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. It is my distinct pleasure and honor to announce to you that that is absolutely true, rock solid. We are sinners, 
God took care of it. Your sin, my sin, forgiven. Removed as far as the east is from the west. Pretty glorious, yeah? Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And after he gave thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, after supper, he took the cup. And he gave it to them and said, Drink you all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the remission of all of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. We will have communion as you come forth. We'll have the servers up here. If you have a gluten-free preference or a juice preference, just give us an indicator of that.
Savior Jesus Christ. May it strengthen you and preserve you and keep you in his steadfast love to go forth in life and mission and ministry in his peace. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Lord, you are the author and perfecter of our faith. Help us to cling to you throughout our week and continue to grow and strengthen our faith. Prayers for grace for those dealing with addiction. May they find your help. And for Nancy as she prepares for knee surgery. God, keep watch over my sister. To all my residents and their families at the nursing home I work at. A prayer to help my grandma. Prayers of comfort and peace for the family of Larry Bobert, who passed away last week. Jesus, thank you for continued healing for Nancy, for steps forward and eating and increased strength. Continue to bless and heal her with your mighty power. Be with and bless Jim as he continues to care for and support her too. 
for the Global Passion Medical Mission team that all pieces come together and that the trip is safe and successful for all. A prayer of peace in my family. Please be with the Edzards family as you called their father and grandfather home to heaven. Give them comfort and peace in knowing he is with you and that the only scars in heaven are on the hands that hold him now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We are on week three of our series entitled Better Together. And let me just give you a little recap of where we've been before we move forward. Week number one, we talked about the, that relationships, that's God's idea. From the very beginning, the fabric of how he is, even with the idea and the concept of the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it was all about a relationship way before time began. And then when it was time to make mankind in their own image, he planted that idea of relationship with them. He made Adam. He noticed that it's not good for man to be alone. He made a helper suitable for him, and that was Eve. And ever since then, God's idea of relationships or being better together, that was on God's radar. That's what he desired. But as we talked last week, there are differences. There are conflicts. And those come from sin. Your sin, my sin, the sin in this world. It gets in the way of this idea of being better together. And God's answer to that, in Philippians, Paul says, God reconciled us to God. In other words, through Jesus Christ, through his suffering, death, and resurrection, the relationship between God has been fixed. And because of that, Paul says, we also are to be ministers of reconciliation. That means we take what God has given us and we start giving it out to others. And that is to impact and affect all relationships out there. Well, today, we're going to go on week number three. And the title is a little bit different. It is called, Better Together, The Unknown Quadrant. And if you look closely, the prefix, the word un, is in parentheses because um, there is an unknown quadrant, but according to God, it's not unknown. And I'm going to let you know what that means as we look into the scripture. Uh, the concept of this comes from this, uh, this picture here, the Johari window. How many of you have ever seen this, heard this? Uh, this goes back, you know, we'll just say in my Bachelor of Arts degree. And um, two psychologists whose first names, Joseph and Harrington, you put their names together, you get Johari. And they wanted to describe how relationships and the dynamics work. And they decided to make four quadrants to talk about that aspect. If you, took at the, if you take a look at the top left, there's what's called the open area. And in essence with this, you're aware, they're aware of who you are. 
all right? Bottom left, the hidden area. That part of it, it says, there's things I know about myself that other people don't know. And sometimes we could use the metaphor of like a, a wall. Sometimes we hide things and we put it behind a wall and certain people don't get to see what that is. The top right is called the blind area, and that is things that we don't see about ourselves that other people see in us. And I think that's where the concept of blind spot comes in. There's times that we have a blind spot about who we are and what we do. And then the one for our purpose today is the unknown area. That's where there's a sense of unknown by you and me and other people. There's just all this unknown. But I, I want to press on that. And like I already told you, that may be the case with humanity. It is not the case with God. There is not an unknown quadrant when it comes to who God is and how he works with us. That's why as we go into this, the, the scripture that we're going to be looking at a couple different times is Psalm 139. It is one of the many psalms in which David wrote. And if you look at that psalm, it has an inscription above it. Not every psalm does. Most of them do. And the inscription will give you a little bit of information about the psalm. It says, to the choir master, a psalm of David. So David is the writer, the author, the one that the Holy Spirit inspired. But it also gives us a hint that these words were actually used in worship. That David, powered by the Holy Spirit, wrote these words and then were given to the people responsible for worship in the temple. And they would use these as a hymn of praise. Now, what were they praising? Now, we're not going to look at the whole psalm today. I encourage you, look at Psalm 139. Read it throughout this week. I, if you haven't read it recently, to me, it is just inspiring. But in there, you find Four attributes of God, four characteristics of this God that we come to worship here, um, whether you're in the house or online, or the, the person that we worship throughout the day. One aspect is this idea of God being all-knowing. Another aspect that David gets at is God's presence everywhere. Another topic he has is God is all-powerful. And then the last one, in Psalm 139, is talks about God's holiness, how he is holy like none other. Now, for the sake of today, we're just going to look at the first six verses, and actually the last two as well. But the first six verses give us a little inside view of what David thinks about this God and his knowledge of you and me. And so you're going to see the scripture in front of you a couple times. We're going to make our way through it, uh, but I'd like for us to read this out loud together. So I'm going to have that up there for you. There it is. And let's read this out loud together. Remember, this is God's word. He gave it in and through somebody named David a long time ago, but it has meaning and purpose today. So together we read, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. 
Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. Wonderful for me, too. Too lofty for me to attain. Let's pray. Lord, we're going we're gonna to pause now. We're going to look into your word. And first we want to say thank you. Thank you for the ways in which you reveal to us who you are, how you love, and the desires you have for your people. And we ask now that you would send your Holy Spirit into this room, into our hearts, into our minds. Open our eyes to the truth of your word. May we drink deeply from what you want to provide for us today. And may we be blessed by your word and your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I mentioned, we're going to look at just one of the four attributes or characteristics of God that is found in Psalm 139. And it's going to be on the attribute of God's knowledge. And I'm going to say this once, and I'll probably say it at the end. If I forget, Jacqueline, would you remind me? All right. Here's the scoop. What we think and believe about God will dramatically affect how we live our life. So I'm going to say it again, hear it again, and then at the end remind me. What we think, what we believe about God will dramatically affect how we live life. And I'll say it this way, how we live better together. If we have a very little view of God, if we have an incomplete view of God, it will affect our better together dramatically. So, David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is going to give us four things to ponder and think about when it comes to this idea of being better together in and around this aspect of God's knowledge about you and me. All right? So, we're going to quickly go through these. I want you, if you don't have it, please get one of the bulletins. Take it home with you. You can walk through it and see these aspects and just pray, Lord, may I understand this more fully so it will affect how I live my life for you with others. So you're going to see the, the same text is going to be put up on the screen, but there are certain words that will now be in bold. And it's going to help you transition from, from one of the aspects to another one. So here we have it. Here are the words. Searched. No. Now let me pause there. Remember, this, I think I've done it over the, probably two times in over the last month. Once again, David is now using the word no and the word yada. It is not just this happen, happenstance knowledge, like, yeah, I kind of get it. It is a very in-depth, intimate, personal, real knowledge. It's the same word that we find when Adam knew Eve. And it wasn't just, hey, Eve, nice to know you. It was something much more personal. It was physical and sexual and emotional and all that together. So when David throws out that word, no, it is much more than just a flippant, well, you know, he knows us. It's in depth. So, no, sit and rise, perceive, discern, familiar. I mean, just many different ways that David is trying to describe that God's knowledge is immeasurable. Another way that you could say it is God is all-knowing. 
And then if you want to impress your friends, you could just walk around saying, God is omniscient. And they'll look at you like, what was that? Remember, omniscient, two words put together. Omni, all. Shint, right, comes from science, which means knowledge. So God is all-knowing, all knowledge. God has all of that. And David now is pointing to different parts of life, acknowledging and saying and believing that God knows when I sit and when I stand, when I lie. He knows what's on my mind. He knows what's on my heart. God is intricately involved in every part of who I am. And I'll just say, as a human being, I just don't get it. I just don't understand how he can. And I think that gets in the way sometimes of us believing in God in the way that he wants us to believe him. Because we live in a world where knowledge is accumulated, isn't it? I mean, it happens over time. In fact, I read something somewhere where it talked about this idea of uh, information in our world and knowledge in our world continues to double at a, an increasing, almost scary rate. I heard that every 12 hours, information and knowledge collaboratively doubles. What we know now, 12 hours from now, in our world, we're going to know twice as much. And it's like, wow. But we live in that kind of world where it does accumulate. How many of you grew up with an encyclopedia? Okay. You have the, the bookshelf, right, over there, and you've got these matching books, all with really pretty color um, uh, numbers and letters and all that kind of stuff on there. And they look really good on a bookshelf. You pull it out. You smell the pages. Maybe you look at the pictures. You read some of the words. But you find a lot of information in there. But the day that you buy that and you put it on your shelf, it's out of date. And at least in my household, my parents tried really hard to keep up with getting the, um, the books that would come the next year. And you just keep adding them because more information is coming. Or how about this? The silicon chip. The things we can put on this little chip blow my mind. It was described this way. In ancient times, there was this one-of-a-kind library in Alexandria. 200 to 700,000 volumes of written material. It is said that all of those can be put onto a little silicon chip. And speaking of computer, right? If you have a question in life, what do you do? What's the, what do you, what, it's a verb now. You Google. You Google whatever you're looking for. You can even Google your own number. You can Google all sorts of information and it will just come your way. Have you ever Googled anything and did not get an answer? Now, you may not get the right answer. There's so much stuff out there that you don't know what you can really believe in. But you can get all kinds of answers to all kinds of things. I'll never forget one time we were in northern Wisconsin and we were fishing and we caught a northern pike. I didn't know how to fillet it or, or clean it. Should have called Gary. Gary, what, you know, I didn't know you then. So we went and Googled it 
And so it told us what to do with the Y bone. It told us what to do with everything. And that was great. We were all done. And then we looked at each other. How do we cook this? So we Googled that. Information instantaneously just at our fingertips. That's the kind of world we live in. But remember, this all accumulates over time. That's not how God works. His information, his knowledge is not an accumulation. He knows everything. He's infinite. No beginning, no end. No beginning, no end to how much he knows. And that's what David is getting at. And I think how vital it is for people like you and me to stop there and say, yes, this God knows everything. He knows what happened in my world 10 years ago. He knows what's happening right now. He also knows what's going to happen tomorrow. What good or maybe challenging thing that might take place. David knew that about God. I hope we do. I'll tell you, at times, I'm, I forget that. So I need to be reminded of it. All right, secondly, you're going to see the same text, but something else is going to be bolded. And here we get to the word you. You will see the word you. Uh, I didn't even count it how many times there were. But according to the original language in Hebrew, it's an emphatic tense. So when you see the word, it's not just like, oh, you've searched me, Lord, you, you know me. Rather, it's like there's an exclamation at every moment where the word you is used. It's like, you have searched me, Lord. You know me. You know when I sit and when I, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts. You discern my... I mean, David is ultimately saying, you and only you know all of this. And you and only you want to impart that to me. And that's where that last part, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. So there needed to be another element, another aspect, because we couldn't do it ourselves. That's why the second part of it is God's knowledge is instructional. I am so thankful God didn't just, quote, create the heavens and the earth. Uh, this is uh, like the theistic view. Um, it's kind of like God is the watchmaker in the sky. He makes the world. He winds it up. He says, I'm out of here. I'll be back later. Rather, he gives us an instruction book. We call it the Bible, right? It's the scriptures. It's the inspired, inerrant word of God given to people like you and me so we can know who God is, how he loves, and what are his desires for his children. And I love the way the scripture is laid out. Today, in, in 2022, we can pick up the Bible, we can look back into the Old Testament, we can look at the Gospels, we could look at uh, Paul's writings, you know, a lot of those letters, and we can look back and go, wow, that gives me really a great historical context of how God is working. It's beautiful. But we can also bring it into the future. Because when we see some of these promises of God, or we see God's activity from the past, and we can look at it and say, wow, God was faithful back then. He, look at what he did then, and that's the same God who we're dealing with today. And so his instructional attitude says, yep, you can count on me in the past, you can count on me in the present, you can also count on me 
in the future. And the same kind of faith you need to believe about the past is the same kind of faith he gives to you for the present and the future. And he wants to instruct us. And I'll just say, sometimes it starts with admitting that you don't know and that you need to learn to lean to somebody who does know and somebody who has your best interest in mind. All right. That's aspect number two. Remember the first one. God is all-knowing. He's immeasurable. This other one is God is instructional. He is He's teaching you and me, and he's always going to teach us. And then thirdly, so you take a look at that. And if you see the words me, I, and my, 13 different times David is using a personal pronoun. You see, David has come to a conclusion. I think that's why today we can look at David and we say, and as the scripture says, he's a man after God's own heart. I do think what happened in David's life is the third aspect. God's knowledge is individual. It is personal. David didn't just see God as somebody far removed, but somebody who is intricately involved in life. And I think this is where the rubber hits the road for, for people like you and me. I remember up until the age 17, I had gone to a Lutheran grade school, I had gone to a Lutheran high school, and the way I pictured God, not in a personal aspect. I pictured him more of a religion, kind of a, a set of rules and expectations that you got to follow. But my senior year, 17 years old, I came to understand that it's all about this relationship and that God loves me personally. And maybe you've, you've gone through this experience, but it's taking John 3.16 and not just looking at it in a global sense, while it is, God so loved the world, but it's pausing and remembering and reflecting that God so loved Jim Thielen, that he gave his only son. And if Jim Thielen believes in him, he will not perish, but have eternal life. That's the personal aspect of God. When Jesus was on the cross and he was suffering and dying for the sins of the world, he had people like you and me on his mind and heart. He knew why he was doing what he was doing. It was to bring forgiveness of sins, life and salvation for me and for you personally. All right? God's knowledge. He's all-knowing, immeasurable. God's knowledge is instructional. He, he wants to teach you and me about who he is and how he loves us. It's very personal. But the third part, and uh, we go to the last part of uh, like verse 6. It says, you hem me, me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Just want to reflect on the word hem or hem me in. Now, in the original language, most often, probably 90% of the time, it is used in a military concept. So just picture what that means for David. 
He's a military man. So here he is using this word, hem me in, but he's not using it in a military sense. Because normally you think that there's a siege coming in, that you're at, on, you know, there's danger going on, but that's not how he uses it. If you go to the beginning of Psalm 139, you go to the end of Psalm 139, it's going to help you understand where he's going with this. It's really about God coming close to people that he loves. So close that he can put his hand on you. I don't know how that feels to you to know that God is that close. That he can put your hand on you. And then he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And so I'd like to say those words help me understand that God's knowledge is inspirational. It's just not that God is up on the heavens and the earth to kind of show off how smart he is. But what he wants to do is to motivate people like you and me to be inspired to live in a way that is godly and pleasing and honoring and effective. And where that translates is where this idea better together comes. When all of these things come, okay, Jacqueline, do you remember? Remind me. Okay, now it's the time. This is the time. What we believe about God will dramatically affect our life. But I'm going to say this even more specific. What we believe about God, about his knowledge, all right, that he's all-knowing, that it's, it's immeasurable, that he is instructional, that he is personal, that he's inspirational, what we think about God will dramatically affect every relationship we have on this earth. It will affect marriage and parenting and working and school and neighborhoods and where we go to um, grocery shop. It will affect everything. The more we know about God and what we believe about him will dramatically affect how we live. That's why this last section, I'd like to give you a little background. There's a great book if you want to read called Dangerous Prayers by Craig Greshel. And he takes different portions of scripture where you find prayers, and he challenges you. He says, if you pray this, it's a dangerous prayer because it's going to change you. And one of those dangerous prayers is found in Psalm 139. And so I, let me just read this out loud for you. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I think what David is getting at after he comes to understand this God who is so trustworthy that he can say to God, okay, God, here I am. Search me. Okay, search me, every part of me. And then he gets into this, test me and know my anxious thought. Know, know what fears I have. But then he gets to the third one. See if there's any offensive way in me. This is getting pretty personal. Because I just know in my own life, my offensive way gets in the way of me being the kind of husband and father and grandfather and brother and pastor and friend. My offensive way gets in the way of me being what God wants me to be. 
So when we want to get dangerous and we say, okay, God, I want you to look and see and then do your thing with me. And David says it this way, and lead me in the way everlasting. Because I, I get lost. I don't know what I'm doing. So lead me in the way everlasting. It reminds me of when Jesus was talking with his disciples. He had told them, I'm not going to be with you much longer. And then in John chapter 14, he's now addressing the disciples. And he could, you know, because he is the son of God, he knows everything. And he starts out the, the, the dialogue with them like this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. Now, pretty powerful, right? Well, Thomas kind of steps in, doubting Thomas. And he kind of goes like, Jesus, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Then Jesus nails it. He just says it perfectly. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if we're sitting here today, and let's just say you're struggling in being better together with whoever that might be. This idea of a dangerous prayer saying, God, search me. I want you to know me inside and out. I want you to do your thing. I want you to lead me. When we say that, watch what he does. He will lead us because he is the way. He is the truth, not just one of the truths. He is the truth. And he's the one that will give us life in a way that only he can give. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand. And we are going to, um, let's share the Apostles' Creed. This is an opportunity for you and me to profess what we believe about this relationship of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with people like um, us. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Receive now the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
for everything after all. Yeah, I'm the one just this great, but you call my name, you call my name. I thought I was too far gone for everything after all. Yeah, I'm the one just this great, but you call my name.